I am Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast presented by the New York Post. What is a Renaissance Man? A Renaissance Man is someone who keeps his ear to the streets and fingers on the pulse of fashion, entertainment, music, sports, current events, and everything in between. Remember to subscribe and rate the pod. You know how much I love the number five. We got a five-star rating right now. We want to keep that. This week's podcast is called See Something, Say Something, featuring Van Lathan. You know, one of the toughest things to do is be a minority and outspoken in corporate America. Oftentimes, when I'm on a TV show, I have cameras on me, and my mind is racing. And that's something I want to say. But I just don't know how it's going to be received. And that happened one day. Breonna Taylor's verdict was announced. And I remember because the way I feel right now, I don't know what I might say. And something that you do say can obviously cost you your job and or your career. And I remember just sweating through my shirt thinking, I couldn't run and jump right now and play a meaningful basketball game. These guys are actually out there doing both. It was so impressive. And at that point, it made me think, so what are you willing to sacrifice? I didn't plan to say arrest the officers that murdered Breonna Taylor. It just happened because if you see something, Say something. I didn't have the chance to think, will the company be mad? Will the fans be mad? In these moments, I have to make a split decision. Do I say how I feel or do I shut up and dribble? Our next guest, Van Lathan, rolls to fame by being the only one to stand up to Kanye West. To Yeezy, a powerful celebrity in the middle of his workplace, and in front of his bosses. When he heard something, it just didn't sit right with him. Sometimes in life, you have to do what feels right, no matter what the risks are. Up next, I proudly present Van Lathan. Welcome to another episode of Renaissance Man. I'm pleased to join, but actually one of my favorite people in the game. You guys actually... Know this gentleman, he gained widespread fame by actually being on TMZ and standing up to one Kanye West in a room where I personally felt he was having a meltdown. I watch you guys show. I'm a huge fan on the show. I've been stopped at the airport by the show. It's all love. I was watching. Can you tell me what it's like to not only work for TMZ, but be the only black person in the room as a lot of these stories are become topics that you eventually talk about on television. Well, yeah. Okay. So it was, I'm not going to lie as far as, you know, my time at TMZ and like how it was when I was there, it was a, it was a frustrating feeling. It's not a dope place to be to hear. Uh, Yeah. Who is young Dolph? And then have the entire room look at you. (laughs) And now you got to give up. 
and be the Negroologist is <laughs> it, not, you know what I'm saying? It's not, I don't care what people say, that's not fun. And it also puts you in a very precarious place with your community because you better be right and you better be on it and you better be out there for us every time. So it sometimes felt like there was a lot on me there and I'm glad that I don't have to deal with it no more. I'll put it to you like that. So Kanye obviously is a huge name, an iconic artist. A lot of stuff that he was saying or doing for a few years, I was just like almost ignoring it, thinking that he was just bugging. But then when he came out on you guys' show and he was talking about being drugged and how slavery was a choice and you let him know how disappointed you was in him. Now transfer that energy to being one of the, if not the only black people in the room. He's a megastar. You're across the room screaming at a room, what I call company, full of company, talking about our issues out loud. Can you frame for me what that situation was like for you personally and how it affected you and his relationship after that? Right. Well, number one, it should have never happened. That's the first thing. What really happened was a lot of things were said that like never people never talked about. DA said a lot of things that got cut out of that, right? But when he said that, I wasn't even thinking about Kanye anymore. I was thinking about myself. I can't sit in a room with somebody that powerful and somebody that has that type of voice and then not say anything to that. Yo, you want to love Trump? That's cool. That's on you. You know, you want to do all of these things? That's on you. You want to lead people down that? But the people that got whipped with chains, dog, and jumped off of boats while they were coming over from Africa, the people that sacrificed and survived and did all of that, if we don't hold them sacred and holy, then who do we hold sacred and holy? And I'm not talking about even our ancestors back then. I'm talking about our ancestors 40 years ago, my grandmom and them who got dogs and fire hoses and that legacy, we have to respect them. And so I was in that moment just saying, whatever you think is cool, whatever you've done is cool. You're a genius. You're a legend. You're my brother. But as far as this, I'm personally drawing a line. Doesn't make me any better than you. I'm just saying right now, no. The reason why we loved Kanye West is because he loved on us, dog. If you go back and you listen, Kanye West was going platinum, not with exploitation. He was going platinum with vulnerability. He was going platinum with uplifting us. He was going platinum by loving us, by loving black people. And so mm -hmm. we felt that love, right? Then he took that same thing and he went and loved on Donald Trump. And I'm like, yo, I'm out. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, I can't do it no more. God bless you, brother. And just like being an athlete, there are certain moments, seasons, plays that take place that catapult your stardom. And for you, that incident happened two years ago. Mm -hmm. And since then, you've hosted and been featured on multiple podcasts. One with my brother, Bill Simmons, yes, the ringer. My guy, yeah. Big shout. Mm -hmm. You know, he helped start me in the podcast game 10 years ago and was the grandfather, the godfather of Jalen and Jacoby. But five years ago, did you see your career going towards this path where now you're a respected voice as a culture critic? I knew something was going to happen, you know? You just have to believe, right? Because you're looking around the room, you're working 12 hours a day, you're on TV all the time, you're like, man, somebody's going to see something in me or something's going to happen, right? I didn't quite see it happening like that. 
I didn't think that it would be a moment that people would really be able because when you're working at TMZ specifically, there are always certain rooms that you're not welcome in. There's always certain places that you're not welcome because of the reputation and it's a well-earned reputation. You can't even be mad at it, right? You know what you sign up for and that's kind of the thing that you are when you're any place. But so you're always wondering, you know, you want to be useful. You want to be a thought servant. You want to be a thought warrior. You want to let people know just how invested you are to making not only cool content, but to making things that that resonate and uplift the community and change the conversations that we're having around blackness. And you wonder, what am I going to have to do to make that happen? And then all of a sudden, somebody basically does it for you. You basically have that, that moment. And so with everything right now that, that I'm able to do based off that and based off the fact that I was able to continue to grow who I am and introduce myself to more people and make more connections and, and even sort of... Uh, expose different sides of myself, it's just a blessing. And you want to keep building on it and you want to keep making quality stuff to where people see you and they know they're going to get something out of it. Oh, you making quality stuff. The great thing for you, you got multiple projects. <laughs> Way down in the hole. Right. The red pill. Right. Higher learning. Yeah, man. What's that all about? We out here. So the Way Down in the Hole was actually Bill's idea. You know, he knows how much I love The Wire. We talk about The Wire all the time. And so it was, it's saying there have been some Wire podcasts before and they were really good. Shout out to the people over at The Wire Stripped, which is also a good Wire podcast that, you know, have been out before. But as far as to give it the ringer treatment, to do it the way we do rewatches, which is not quite like anybody else does them, how deep we go, how we time in the pop culture, how we time in the sports, how we really give the audience a voice, way down in the hole had to have been done. And also we have to, respect the genius of Simon and Burns when it comes to The Wire. We could talk about The Wire every single moment of every single day and still Classic. not even crack how amazing the show is. So with me and Jamel, I know, you know you could, you're very close to Jamel, also yes, from up there in Detroit. Getting to do that every week, bro, that was a dream come true, man. That really was. That was Bill's idea. Higher learning with me and Rachel Lindsay. It's also, I say something else. I do two podcasts on The Ringer with two of the most intelligent and impactful Black women in this industry. I get to share my mic with Jamel Hill and Rachel Lindsay, two of the, the brightest, most charismatic, most courageous Black women. I am blessed to be able to share my mic with two Black women. That's amazing. Um, and The Ringer did that. And the higher learning is just me and Rachel sitting down and kind of taking in everything that the culture is talking about, maybe some things that they're not talking about but should be talking about, and boomeranging them back using our mic every single every single week, and it's been going great. And, you know, we're getting a lot of amazing feedback from it. We just, it just continues to grow and grow and grow and grow. How do you advise people who want to be in the podcast game, be in a radio game, be on TV, but also let their voice be heard as a minority in any circumstance? How would you advise them to go about doing so? First of all, the first thing they have to understand is there's no one playbook for it. TMZ is not ESPN. It's a place that thrives on controversy. It's a place that thrives on conflict. It's a place that thrives on scandal. So because some of the content that they're doing there, I could pretty much say whatever I wanted. That doesn't exist everywhere. Like, that doesn't exist all over the place, right? There's some places that you're going to be, like if you work for maybe Disney, where you're going to have to find a way to get your point across 
in the most effective way that allows you to continuously have your platform. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. And until we get to the place where we have our own ESPNs, our own TMZs, our own places that we own where we can do the hiring and the firing, we need to figure out how to keep these conversations on television. So there's no one playbook. Figure it out. Look, I'll give you a perfect example of it. Bamani, our guy, right? My man. Oh, one day, Bamani did something that was so amazing. And he, he knew, I, I have to admit, I have to think that Bo knew what he was doing. He did it anyway. So he goes on, maybe it was like, a, maybe it was Lebatar, but maybe it was a different show. And he has a shirt on, right? And it's a Cleveland Indian shirt, except it's got the fruit and said Caucasians on it, right? And so when you go on ESPN or wherever you go with that shirt on, even I think they made them zip it up or something like that. I can't remember exactly what happened, but I remember we covered it on TNZ Sports. When you go there and you know that that is going to cause a conversation. There are going to be people that are going to be like, yo, Bomani's doing this and Bomani's doing that. You're going to cause a stir. But you're letting everybody at your network and who watches the network know exactly who you are and exactly how you feel about names like the Cleveland Indians with Chief Wahoo or the Washington football team, their old name, right? You're making a point and you're using that platform. You know you're on TV. You know what people are going to do, Right? But you also understand how you have to do it. There's nothing wrong with that. So don't feel like you're any less than anybody else who has an independent YouTube channel or anything like that where they can say all of these things. Figure out how you represent yourself and your community where you're at. Then go do it and be proud to have done it. Well, you should be proud that you get to work with The Bachelorette. You know, I know dudes always be hitting you up, texting you, emailing you. What she look like? What she smell like? What she sound like? What she she cool? Mm-hmm. Can can I get her number? Yeah. What is some of the best things about working with Rachel doing higher learning? I wasn't that aware of who Rachel was and what she did before. I knew who she was, but man, it is a pleasure getting to work with her. She is an immensely talented person. A cool lady to be around, an easy lady to talk to, a fierce advocate for change, for justice, and for fair play, an incredibly like uh, educated and savvy woman. And I gotta be honest with you, it was the Ringer who saw that. Like when I came to the Ringer, right? I was coming over there. I thought it was gonna be the Van Lathan podcast with Van Lathan. You know what I'm saying? I thought it was that. That's kind of what it was. But Bill was like, yo, this is somebody I want you to meet. And I'm like, I know you're not thinking about like doing a co-host situation. I'm sure he was having the same conversations with her, right? And I was like, no. He's like, Van, I'm telling you, like, this is somebody who is really about to go to the next level and putting you guys together is going to be amazing. We went out to one lunch over at the San Vicente Bungalows. And I was like, let's do it. She's just, she's fantastic. Like, she checks all the boxes. All the boxes. And like her background is a little different than mine. So we can also riff and go back and forth on some things that we don't have completely in common. It's, it's really great. You brought up Jamel Hill, my sister from another. Now that you get to work with her frequently, can you let the world know some of the misconceptions that linger about Jamel Hill? I think one of the misconceptions that lingers about Jamel, and I think people that don't know her or is that she's always looking for a fight. Like, people think that Jamel wakes up 
and gets behind her keyboard and goes, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> How today will I piss off white people? You know what I mean? People, yeah, people think that like, I'm gonna go to Angela Davis Afro. Right, I'm gonna wear the fist proudly today, right? Like, like, like Jamel never picks the fight. She just don't <laughs> run from it. You know what I'm saying? It's not she don't ever come out. There. Well said. She's like, you know what I'm saying? So it's not. It's not. Thing. Me and her be going back and forth. And if you listen to way down in the hole, we we're on there having fun. Like, she is one of the most fun people that you can talk to. And she's another one of those people that is so real and so genuine that if you're triggered by something she says, you should probably pay attention to the substance of it, right? Because, when like, she, she is so devastatingly intelligent, right? That if you're triggered by it, you should ask yourself why. You've been really gracious with your time. There's two more things I want to do with you before I let you get out of here. Sure. Because right now, Black people are hurting. COVID-19 is happening. We're dealing with a pandemic. People are losing their jobs, getting laid off, getting furloughed. So who are some of the people that you feel like do a really good job of trying to acknowledge what's happening for the current landscape and doing what they can to be a loud voice? Oh, wow. Yeah, there's a lot of people out there, man. Obviously, you know, if you're looking sort of from the athlete's perspective, obviously, not so much even for what he says, but for what he does in his community, how he, like you, I'm going to give credit to Jalen Rose also for the charter school that you started, right? Thank you, brother. I'm going to give credit for, for you actually looking into your community. So really, one of the answers is Jalen Rose and what Jalen Rose has been able to do in his community, looking around, feeling and seeing what people there need and then delivering it to him, right? And from that tree comes some of the fruit like LeBron James, and Puff and other guys who do that. So it's very important to look at guys who are activists and then also people who are changing systems inside of communities, right? So when you have a charter school or when you have a school like the I Promise School and you have people that are changing the day-to-day lives of Black people, you have to study them. That's the first thing because all of the activism leads to that. That's one. But then when you talk about thought people that are thinking, you look at people like Blair Imani, you look at people like Philip McHarris, right? You look at people like Phil Agnew, right? Alicia Garza. You know what I'm saying? On the political side of things, you want to pay attention to people like Bakari Sellers and Angela Rye, who are giving you, you know, they come from inside that political machine, but they're giving you the knowledge of how that world works. If you're looking for someone who you cannot peg and you don't know what they're going to say or who they're going to be with, then it's my man Killer Mike. You know what I mean? <laughs> you never know. You never know where. It's like as, as far as you never know where in the world is Killer Mike. Killer Mike gonna be with Farrakhan. Run the Jews. Run the Jews. Killer Mike gonna be with Farrakhan <laughs> one day, and he's gonna be somewhere talking to the NRA the next with day. Keisha with Keisha Lance bottoms on Lance, stage. Keisha Lance bottoms on stage. Wherever he feels like black people need to have a voice. That's what you're going to see Killer Mike. And he's not always going to make you happy. Sometimes you're going to call Mike and be like, dog, what are you doing? And he's going to be like, I got a plan. So all of those people. Before I let you get out of here, I like to do something. It's a rapid fire called Gone in 60 Seconds. All right. So feel free to take a sip of water. Let's do it. Take a deep breath. (laughs) Because try to answer as many questions as you can as we start the clock right now. Now, mm-hmm. which celebrity would you like to see run for political office? Ugh. Uh, Oprah. That's a great one. Yeah. Who is the biggest white ally we have in history? 
in history, John Brown. Who's the biggest white ally we have currently? Oh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> what happened to the Clippers? Uh, they choked like they do. It's in their DNA. Sometimes it's in your DNA and you choke. Mm-hmm. What's up with your Falcons? Not my Falcons. I'm a Saints fan. <laughs> what, what about Mitt Romney? What about him? He is who we thought he was. So, what's your favorite Kanye song? Oh, man, All of the Lights. What did he say to disappoint you the most while at TMZ? When he called into question the intestinal fortitude of our, ancestor, uh, of our ancestors. Slavery might be a choice. A choice for who? They were in bondage. And last but not least, who's your favorite co-host to work with? Oh, not like that. <laughs> oh, 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 not like Don't that. Don't answer that. Don't answer that. I was about to get you in trouble. <laughs> oh, I thought of the white ad line. By the way, Francis Maxwell. Francis Maxwell. My bad. Shout out to Francis, man. Appreciate the intellect. Thanks for the love. Please come back on Renaissance Man because as somebody that moves and shakes the culture with your intellect, with your voice, and the sacrifices you're making is very important for you to continue to be outspoken. And I would love to give you this opportunity and this platform to do so anytime. Feel free to join me. All right. Before I leave, I want to tell you this real quick, just so you hear it, right? So I'm growing up. It's 1991. It's 1990. It's 1992. I'm on the basketball court. I'm trying to be Jalen Rose, right? We're trying to be you guys. Like, you have to know for yourself what your contributions to this culture have been and what your growth and your maturity and what you, I remember even when you were taking on Skip on ESPN back in the day, like, don't ever let somebody come in and try to take away from what it is that you've done or what you've meant or who you've been. So we watched y'all since we was little boys and everything that y'all did was to cut against the establishment and to do things y'all way. And that things like that, Jalen, are emancipating. It makes people feel like they can be free. They can be themselves. I can wear black socks. I can wear my shorts loose. I can be me. I don't have to conform to somebody else to go play basketball or or, or be on TV. So always remember that in, 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 in you're a cultural emancipator too. And I just want to make sure you got your flowers and you heard that from me before I got out of here, bro. I'm proud of you, man. Thanks a lot, my brother. I appreciate the love and looking forward to catching up soon. All right, my man. Last call. This week's last call is personal because when you look in the mirror, what do you see? I didn't say, who do you see? I say, what do you see? Are you speaking the truth about the things that you like and don't like? Are you actually telling yourself the sacrifices you need to make for your goals to take place? Are you really honest with yourself? The next step, is there someone you wanted to tell something? but felt like now is not the time to do so? That happens to all of us until you realize it's never the right time to have a tough conversation. Sometimes we have something on our mind that we want to tell our family, our friends, our loved ones, but we just hold it back because we don't want to lose them. We don't want to upset them. We don't want to hurt them. Or we even hold back our jobs, our careers, our opportunities, even a boss about the experience for working for them. Holding back how you feel inside only hurts you because you're the only one being held back from the freedom 
of being heard. If people love you and respect you, they'll want to hear what you have to say, even if they agree or not. And having the courage to speak your mind, what's more freeing than that? See you next week.